Amen. That's a beautiful song and appreciate the message to it as well. Let's take our Bibles this morning, open the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter number 3. I hope this morning you have come to be filled, right? We come empty to be filled. Um, and let the Lord fill us through what he has for us this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, and um, we're going to be just reading two verses this morning, uh, the end of chapter 3, verse number 20 and 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. He says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Father, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, we do pray this morning that you would just meet with us. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to what you'd have for us. Lord, I, I don't know the heart of anyone here this morning. I don't know what they need spiritually. Lord, there might be some that they need to spiritually be born again. They need to put their faith and trust in you. Some spiritually this morning are, are discouraged and they need, they need encouragement this morning. Uh, some are in sin and need to be convicted. Lord, you know their hearts this morning. And so, Father, I pray that you would just work as only you can. And Lord, that we would just look to your word and allow you to speak to our hearts through it. Just bless now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've been getting a, a little bit of ribbing. Um, you know, people keep asking me, are you going to ever finish chapter number three? And uh, yes, today we are finishing chapter three. Um, but I'm telling you, this, this is just, chapter three has just been such an amazing chapter here. And as we come to the end of chapter three, obviously this is not the end of the book, but looking at what Paul has been saying here, as he comes to these last two verses, I want you to notice how he begins each of these two verses. In verse number 20, he says, now unto him. And in verse number 21, he says, unto him. That ought to tell us something right there. Unto him. Who have we sung about this morning? It's all been about Jesus. It's all been about him. Unto him. That's not usually how we think, though, is it? Unto him. In most decisions that we make, the most important question that we ask is, how is this going to work out for me? Right? How is this going to work out for me? How is it going to benefit me? How does this affect my life? How does this affect my family? How does it affect my career? But what Paul is telling us is that it's not about us. It's just not about us. He says, unto him. And what we really ought to be asking when we make a decision is not how does this affect my life, not how does this affect me, but every decision that we make, how does this affect him? How does the decisions that I make in my life affect the Lord Jesus Christ? How does this affect his kingdom? How does this affect his plans how does the, this affect his desires 
You see, if we're really honest with ourselves this morning, this really is our problem. Isn't it? My life is about me. And as a Christian, God is saying, no, it's not. It's not to be about you. It's, it's a, to be about him. This is why we aren't willing to obey when he speaks. Because it's not about him, it's about me. This is why we aren't willing to give more of ourselves. Because it's not about him, it's about me. This is why we get offended so easily. Because it's not about him, it's about me. You see, it's all about me. And Paul is saying, you've got it all wrong. What Paul is saying is when we see the way that God wants us to see, as we've been looking here at this prayer that Paul has been praying, and there are two prayers as we've been going through this. In chapter 1, Paul says, I'm praying that you would see the way God wants you to see. If you will see with spiritual eyes, not just your physical, not just with how you feel or what you think, but if you'll, you'll see spiritually the way God wants you to see, then as we come to chapter 3, you're going to be able to be what God wants you to be. I, I will never be and do what God wants me to be and do if I'm not seeing the way he wants me to see. Because he's looking spiritual. His desire is spiritual. And what he wants me to do has to do with spiritual things. But if all I'm doing is looking in the physical and just what I want, then that's what I'm going to desire for the rest of my life too. Just the physical, what I want. And so he says if we will see the way he wants us to see with spiritual eyes. And we will be and do what he wants us to be. Then can I tell you? Only then, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. Did you read the verse? Did you see the verse there in verse number 21? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I would say the sky's the limit on that. Right? Right? I mean, he says, look, if you will see the way that God wants you to see and, and you get the spiritual perspective, you understand that this life is not about the temporary things around us, but it's about eternal. It's about the eternal things, eternity. And then we, we live our life based upon eternity. We're willing to do and be what God wants us to be. Then he says, then <laughs> the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. What is he able to do when we are willing to see what he wants us to see and be what he wants us to be? What is he able to do? Have you ever, have you ever bit, had big dreams? You ever had big dreams? Sure we have, right? We, we have big dreams, you know. When we were kids, we dreamed of being an astronaut or, or being a policeman or, or a pilot or a nurse or, you know, something, you know. Uh, we, we, there was some dream that we had. You know, even today as adults, we have big dreams, right? We have big dreams for our families, right? We have big dreams for our families. Um, we have big dreams for our lives now. You know, we, we want to be able to retire. You know, we're thinking future. Hey, I want to be able to retire. I want to be able to save enough, up enough to be able to retire. And, and 
A lot of us would like the word early kind of put in there, right? Retire early, you know? Um, you know, we, we, want, um, we want our kids to, to get good jobs as they get older, and, and we want them to be taken care for, uh, to care, be taken care of, and, and we, want to, we want them to get married, and, and then we want grandkids so that we can spoil them and make our kids mad. You know, I mean, we have big dreams, right? We have big dreams. But can I ask this morning, when's the last time that you dreamed big for God? When's the last time you dreamed big for God? You see, all of those dreams have to do with me. But what about God? Unto him, he says. Why don't we dream big for God? Why don't we dream big for God? Is it because our lives usually just revolve around us and, and we're afraid of doing something for God that will mess up our plans? It's going to mess up what I want. It's going to mess up what I have planned. Or maybe we think it's wrong to dream big for God. Maybe we think, oh, I shouldn't dream big for God. I mean, man, that, that means that you know I'm wanting to do something and, and I should just be humble and, and just let God do whatever. Maybe we think it's wrong to dream big for God. Or maybe we're just not sure that God could do it anyway. And we just don't dream big for God. You know, it would be enough if Paul had said that God is able to do all that we ask or think. That would have been, that would have been pretty amazing right there. Unto him that is able to do all that you could think or ask. I mean, that's, that's pretty big. But that's not big enough. Not for God. Look what he says. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. He says, it's not just what you think or what you can ask that God is able to do. He said, I want you to understand something. When, when you see the way God wants you to see and you're willing to be what God wants you to be, I'm telling you, the sky truly is the limit because he is able to do exceeding abundantly above what you could ever imagine, what you could ever ask him, what you could ever think. He said, he is able to do so much more than that. We just don't dream big. We just don't see the way God wants us to see. What are some things that you would like God to do in your life? Maybe it's your home. Maybe your marriage is messed up. You say, boy, I'd sure like to see God fix my marriage. Maybe it's at work. Boy, I'd sure like to see God give me a better job. Maybe it's a vehicle. Boy, I'd sure like to see God give me a better vehicle. Maybe it's in your personal walk. Lord, I'd, I'd sure like to have a closer walk with you. What is it in your life that you would like God to do in your life? What are some things that you have thought about God doing in your life, but you just think it's just not possible? Here's why. 
it's not possible because we're not seeing the way God wants us to see and we're not being what God wants us to be. Because when you read what Paul just said and and you read this prayer that he's praying for them and he's saying, hey, this is what I'm praying for you. And he says, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, do we really believe that God is able to do what he says he's willing to do? Or do we just read a verse and say, well, I just, you know, I know he says it, but it just, that's for somebody else. That's for David, right? David, man, I mean, look at David. He was able to face a, a giant and, you know, he was able to kill a lion and a bear. That's, that's for David. That's for, that's for Moses. Moses was able to stand there at the Red Sea and, and part the Red Sea. That's for Moses. That's for, that's for Gideon. He was able to take a couple hundred men and defeat hundreds of thousands. I mean, that's for those people. Wait a minute. You're not seeing the way God wants you to see you're still looking through physical eyes. Because when you look at all of those men, you know what you're going to find? They were exactly like you and me. But here's the difference. They were willing to see what God wanted them to see. And they were willing to be what God wanted them to be. And boy, God did some amazing things with them. You see, it's not wrong to want to do something great for God. We get this idea, well, it, it, you should, that's prideful. You know, you're, you're, you're telling God that he want, you should do something great for him. Wait a minute. Again, if I'm, if I'm understanding this right and I'm saying, Lord, this is not about me. This is about you. And I'm seeing the spiritual aspect of it. I'm looking eternal values. I'm looking for eternity, not just the physical, but eternal. Then it's not about me. It's about him. He says, unto him. William Carey, the missionary to India, who's known as the father of modern missions, said this, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. You say, well, yeah, well, that was, you know, that was a great missionary. You know what William Carey was before he became a missionary? He was a shoe cobbler. Now, that's a great job, making shoes. He was a shoe cobbler. That's what he did. He made shoes. He was from England, and and yet God used him in a great way. In fact, God used his life to impact many other men like Hudson Taylor and Adoniram Judson and David Livingston. In fact, even still today, if you go in my office, you're going to see on my wall, there is a quote on my wall. It says, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. If you've been in our church very long, you you know, hey, I, I want God to do great things in my life. I, I, am, I desire for him to do that, not so that people can look at Andrew Stinson and say, wow, look at Andrew Stinson, he's such a cool guy. No, I want it because I want to bring glory and honor to him so that he gets the glory, not me. I'm nobody. I know that. Believe me, you don't have to tell me I'm nobody. I know it. But I know who he is, and I know he deserves the glory. I know he deserves great things. So who's going to be used? Who's going to be willing to say, God, I'll look the way that you want me to look. I'll see that and and I'll be what you want me to be so that you get the glory. So that it is unto him that gets the glory. What do you expect God to do in your life? What are you attempting for God? Because here's the thing. If you expect God to do nothing, that's exactly what you're going to get. And if you attempt nothing for God, that's exactly what you're going to get. 
and, and, and our country. And, and yes, we've been blessed to live in a great country that, that we have the freedom even to worship this morning and to meet and to sing and to, and to pray and open the word of God. But we have been blessed and, and yet it, we, are, we have Christians all over our country who are sitting in churches week after week after week and they expect nothing from God. And they attempt nothing from God. Nothing. Why? Why shouldn't we try to do something for God? When we think about what he has done for us, when we think about what he did in him being willing to come to this earth and, and to die on this cross and, and to, to, to live this perfect sinless life so that we could have our sins forgiven, so that we wouldn't ever have to worry about death and, and dying and going to hell. When we think about what Jesus did for us, why would we not want to say, God, whatever you want, I just want to do something for you. Unto him be glory. But instead, we're just like, well, I'm just going to just live my life the way I want to live it. And we attempt nothing for God. And when we attempt nothing for God, that's exactly what we get nothing oh were these men perfect <laughs> no William Carey was not perfect Adoniram Judson was not perfect these great men of God Paul was not perfect Moses was not perfect David was not perfect they weren't perfect men there is no perfect people but they were willing to attempt something for God what are you willing to attempt for God What is he able to do if we'll just yield to him? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. I don't think God puts words in there just for fun. He wasn't like, I wonder how many adjectives I could put in here on this. No, there's a point to it. He wants you to know that when you are obedient to him and you follow him and you surrender to him and say, God, I just want it to be about you. He says, I want you to know the sky is the limit. The sky is the limit with what I can do with your life. If you'll just surrender to me, if you'll just be willing to be used of me, he's able to do great things. How? How is he able to do this? Notice what he says. According to the power that worketh in us. Now, friend, here's where it gets really, really cool. I mean, the first part of the verse is pretty amazing, right? I mean, exceeding abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. I, I, friend, I'm telling you, there, there is no way in my mind when I, when I surrendered to God over 20 years ago and I said, Lord, you, here's my life, it's yours, whatever you want to do it. There's no way that as I look back on the, the 23 years of serving him, I never dreamed of what God's allowed me to accomplish. Look, friend, it's not me, it's him. I've never dreamed that God would allow me to do the things that he did in Africa. And now here, as God, as God continues to bless in America, I never dreamed these things. Oh, I had dreams. They just weren't big enough for God. I had big dreams, but God says, hey, I've got, I've got something that's even greater than what your dreams are. 
exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God says, that's who I am. And we're not even willing to dream anything big for God. God says, not only do I want you to dream big, but he says, I'm going to take that dream and I'm going to make it even greater than what you could ever imagine if we'll just surrender to him. But how? Again, this is it. Watch. According to the power that worketh in us. When we start thinking about what God could do through us, we could think and say, there's just no way, right? I mean, man, I'd, I'd love to be able to reach people for Christ. I'd love to be able to teach a Sunday school class. I'd love to be a missionary. I'd love to be a preacher. I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. God, I just, I just want to be used of you. And, and God, I'm dreaming. I, I'm dreaming some big things. But I, God, I don't know how these things are going to get done. God said, that's all right. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. According to the power that worketh within us. Because in our minds, we say, I just can't do that. I just, I just don't think I could serve God that way. I just don't think I could give my life to God that way. Or I'm not sure how it's all going to work out. I'm not, you know, if I did, how's it, how's it going to work out? What's going to happen? How's God going to provide? And we, we want all the answers before we're even willing to step out and dream, right? We don't even know what we're dreaming, and yet we want all the answers for it. God says, hey, you don't have to have all the answers. Just trust me. Just trust me. Because here's the thing. When we are filled, now watch this, friend, with all the fullness of God. You say, can a Christian be filled with all the fullness of God? Wait a minute. What did he just say back in verse number 19? And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. He said, I want you to be filled with the fullness of God. As you yield to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, they're going to fill you. They're going to control you. And as you yield to him, the fullness of God is at your disposal. And that's why he says at the end of verse number 20, according to the power that worketh in us. It's not our power. It's not by our might that we do it. It is according to the fullness of God's power that is working through us when we yield ourselves to him. The power that is, you see, here's what, here's what we don't understand. As Christians, the power is already there. If you're saved this morning, you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's already living inside of you. He's living inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God has taken up abode. You are his dwelling place. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. God is living inside of you. That's not just, a, that's not just a, a thought. That is a truth. He abides in us as well as his power. He doesn't just say, well, I'm going to live in you, but my power is not. Wait, if he's living in you, then his power is as well. His power. And this is why he says, when you're willing to surrender and you're willing to say, God, it's all about you unto him. 
It's all about God. Lord, hey, I just want to be used of you. And God, I don't know how it's all going to work out. And I don't know if I could stand in front of anybody and talk. But Lord, I'm willing to. And you know what happened? God gives us his power to be able to do it. You say, that's easy for you to say. You do it every week. I hated it when I first started. I could not get up in front of anybody and talk. I've, I've said this before in our church. I was homeschooled, okay? I was home. That's not the reason why. Don't, some of you are like, well, that's why. No, that's not the reason why, okay? I was homeschooled. I, my sister and I were the only two in, our, in, our, in my school, right? My mom and dad, we, we were in Africa. I'm in high school. I was taking a speech class. It was just my mom and dad and my sister. And they're sitting on the couch in the living room, and I have to give a speech. It did not go well. <laughs> I couldn't even talk in front of my parents and my sister. God, you've called me to preach? Boy, that was a big mistake. this is what I told God you want me I'm here if you want to use me I'm willing to be used and I don't necessarily like getting in front of people and I don't always say the right things when I get in front of people God if you want to use me I'm yours and I can tell you for 23 years, <laughs> it's not been me. It's been God. God has enabled me. God has helped me through this. You say, you say, Pastor, it must be so easy for you. I mean, you've done this for 23 years. Friend, every single time that I get up to speak, I am scared to death. Every time. People say, well, I never noticed that in you, Pastor. <laughs> Check out my heart racing. <laughs> Put one of those Fitbit Apple Watch things on me. You'll see. Scared to death every time. You say, then why do you do it? For him. For him. It's not about me. It's about him. According to the power that worketh in us. When we are filled with all the fullness of God, then God is able to do exceeding above and beyond all that we ask or even think possible. Think of the power that we are talking about. And that same power is working in you. If you know Jesus as your Savior. Huh. We're not talking about some little AAA battery power. The word power here that Paul uses is the Greek word dunamis. It means an unlimited power. It's a power that doesn't ever run out. The same power that created the galaxies is working within you. You say, well, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't see it. Maybe it's because you're not surrendered to him. Maybe it's because you're still trying to say life is about me instead of about him that power the same power that can change a persecutor of the church and make him a preacher of the gospel 
The same power that could take a bumbling fisherman and have him preach a message that 3,000 people could get saved listening to. That same power is working in each one of us who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. How is he able to do it? According to his power. It's not us. It's his power. I want you to notice the third thing here this morning. Not only what is he able to do, and not only how is he able to do it, but why? Why does he want to do it? Again, please just think with me about this for a moment. Why would God want to take a man like Paul? Why would God want to take a man like Peter? Why would God want to take a man like Moses and David? Why would God want to take a man like me? All sinners, all undeserving of God's grace and God's favor. Why would he want to take a man or a woman like you? Why? He tells us. Look in verse 21. Unto him. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Here's why, friend. This is why he wants to take you and help you to see the way he wants you to see with those spiritual eyes. To help you to be what he wants you to be and to do what he wants you to do. And to dream big. Say, I don't know how it's going to get done, God. But I'm just going to trust you. God says, I'll take care of it. I've got plenty of power. I've got enough. If you'll just trust me. God, why? Why would you want to do that? Unto him be glory. Because he wants to use us to bring the glory back to him. So that he gets the glory. So that, hey, when we look at Moses, we think, man, that's amazing. How could a guy like Moses who, you know, says he can't talk and, and all these different things and God uses him to lead this, this great nation out of Egypt and comes to the Red Sea and the plagues and 40 years and all these things. How could, why would God use Moses? So that God gets the glory. Why would God take a little shepherd boy and, and let him defeat a lion and a bear and then when all the other rest of the army is scared to death of this giant that's standing there, why would God take a little shepherd boy and put him out there and, and, and let him defeat a giant so that God gets the glory? Why would God take a persecutor of the church and save him and change his life and turn him into the, to the greatest apostle that would go around the world preaching the gospel? Why would God do it? So that God gets the glory. Why would God take a bumbling fisherman like Peter and James and John and these guys that, that the Bible says that, that they were called ignorant and unlearned men and have them preach and 3,000 people one week get saved and 5,000 people another week get saved? Why would God use those men? So that God gets the glory. Why would God want to use you and me? So that God gets the glory. Because friend, 
It's all about him. It's all about him. And the problem is, we are so wrapped up in self that he's not getting the glory. It's all about me. Well, if I, if, I, if I surrender to God, I mean, I just don't know about my plans, and I don't know about my family, and I don't know about my future. Wait a minute, friend. You, you've missed it. You've missed it. It's not, it's not about you. It's about him. Unto him be glory. Watch. In the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages. All that we do in our lives ought to be done to bring glory to him. We have to be careful that we don't allow anything in our life that takes the glory away from him. Because anything that robs God of his glory that we allow in our lives, that's called idolatry. We are more concerned about that than we are about God. That's idolatry. You say, I thought idolatry was worshiping an idol. No, idolatry is putting anything before God. Whatever it might be. Everything that is done in the church should be done to bring glory to him. Now, please understand, when Paul says, in the church by Christ Jesus, is he talking about a building? No. And yes. See, the building is not the church. This building is not First Baptist Church. You know who First Baptist Church is? It's people sitting right around you. The building is just a building. The church are those who have accepted Christ as their Savior. The church are those who have know Jesus Christ. We who are saved are the church, so everything we do should bring glory to him. Yes, even in our services where we gather together, our praise, our singing, our preaching should all be to his glory. But he wants to use you and I to bring glory to him. And watch this, throughout all ages. My friend, we don't know when Jesus is going to return. But until he returns, his desire is to use those who know him as their Savior to bring glory to him throughout every age. Throughout all ages, world without end. He said, as long as the world in existence, as long as we're here, as long as Christ hasn't returned, here's his purpose. That you and I would bring glory to him. Unto him. Be glory. So, friend, can I ask you this morning, who's getting the glory in your life? Is it all about you? All about me, my family, my career, my job? Is it all about you? Or is it all about Him? It ought to be about Him. If you know Jesus as your Savior, it ought to be about Him. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, friend, that's the most important decision you can ever make is to know Jesus Christ. He came and he was willing to bleed and die on the cross for your sins so that you could be saved if you're willing to put your faith and trust in him. And you too can have this same purpose and plan 
God would want to use you to bring glory to him. You say, Pastor, you don't understand what I've done. You don't know who I am. I don't have to know who you are, and I don't have to understand what you've done because God knows who you are, and God knows what you've done, and he still sent his son to die on the cross for your sin. The question is, is will you accept his gift of eternal life by faith? You can't pay for it. The baptism we're going to see in a few minutes, the baptism doesn't save. That water's not going to wash away anybody's sin. No, no. That's what the blood of Jesus Christ alone can do. And if you've never accepted Christ, we'd love to take the word of God and show you how you can be saved. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking about. My friend, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we truly would love to take the Word of God and show you how you can be saved. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure. If I died right now, I do not know where I would go. I'm not sure. But I would like to know how I could receive Jesus as my Savior. I would like to know how I could be saved. And you're here this morning, nobody else is looking about. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'd like to know more about that. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you this morning. Yes, God bless you. You can put your hand down. Somebody else, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure. If I died today, where I would go? Pastor, pray for me. Friend, in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. If you'd like, we'd love to take the word of God and show you how you can be saved. If you're a man, we'll have a man talk with you. If you're a lady, we'll have a lady talk with you and help you to know how you can have your sins forgiven, how you can be saved today. Christian, if you know Christ as your Savior, then may I ask you a question. Are you living your life unto him so that he receives the glory in all that you do not you but him if not then why when all that he's done for you and for me why would we not want to live our life for him so that he receives the glory father i pray lord that you would bless in the invitation Lord, use it, speak to hearts. Lord, I pray that if for that one that may not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, that they would let us take the Bible, God's Word, not our opinion, but God's Word, and show them how they can be saved. And Lord, for Christians this morning, I pray you'd help them to recognize their need and just completely surrendering to you, Lord, that it's all about you. We would live our lives unto him. Father, would you bless and be an invitation now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.